Welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. While I'm at beautiful Miwasan Park, just off Spadina Crescent in the city of Saskatoon, and uh, we're going to begin a new series today. I did my internship for pastoral ministry in the city of Thunder Bay, Ontario. And when I got there, I was told one of the things I had to do was lead a young adult youth Bible study. Didn't have a clue what to lead on, so I went to the little Christian bookstore in the city of Thunder Bay, and I bought my first really expensive commentary, commentary on the Psalms. At least I thought it was expensive at the time. I read the price now as being $14.75. But I've carried this book in my library for the last 45 years or so. And uh, it's been a real blessing to me as I have looked at the book of Psalms through uh, the eyes of Arthur Weiser. This is how he begins the book. The Psalter, the Psalms, is that book of the Old Testament which the Christian community found the easiest one to approach in a direct and personal way. The Psalms are meaningful to us as Christians, and so we're going to take a journey uh, through the Psalms over the next five weekends, and we are so glad you are here with us on the first part of that journey, going through the Psalms. Page one of the Psalms, uh, Psalm number one. I'd invite you even now to just, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share some wonderful truths with everyone who's listening now. I just make a real simple request of you, Father, and that is, would you come in the presence of your Holy Spirit and help us all to understand what you want us to learn today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. In a, in a second, I'm going to uh, quote from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, but let me explain what catechism is. First of all, it's just a collection of doctrine uh, that is used to teach children and sometimes adults who've just come to faith. And the Westminster Shorter Catechism was written in the mid-1600s. Question one of the Westminster Shorter Catechism is, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? What are we around for? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We are here to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I don't know what concept you have of faith. I don't know what concept you have of Christians. Maybe we come across as a bunch of judgmental, miserable people. If so, forgive us. That's not what we're meant supposed meant to be. We're meant to be joyful people who really enjoy everything God has brought into our lives. And this theme in Psalm 16 is so clear. And I'd invite you to follow either on an electronic uh, version of Scripture or a good old-fashioned paper Bible. But uh, 
Notice this theme of enjoyment. David says about the saints in verse number three, they are my delight. It's a word of joy. It's, a, it's delight. Verse number six, uh, he talks about his life and he says, my life has fallen in pleasant places. My heritage is beautiful. So delight, pleasant, beautiful. Uh, verse number nine, my heart is glad. My glory rejoices. Uh, verse number 11, he says, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So David's relationship with God was deeply rooted in joy. His relationship with God was deeply established in, in the pleasure of his presence. Christians are meant to be people who enjoy God. I want to point out from this psalm four things that brought David the greatest pleasure. Four things that brought David the greatest pleasure. And the first one is that David saw God's sovereignty as beautiful. David saw God's sovereignty as beautiful. He says in chapter 16 and verse number 2, You are my Lord. God Almighty is his Lord. Uh, he's not his own Lord. His spouse is not his Lord. His job is not his Lord. His sexual drive does not control him. You are my Lord. And then we go down to uh, verse number five, and he says, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. You support my lot. Now that word lot is an interesting word. I love saying it. Gahrol. Gahrol. That's the Hebrew word lot. And it refers to little pebbles, a bunch of little pebbles and and the people of the time of David and even the time of the New Testament would throw these pebbles, use these pebbles to help them in making decisions. David says of the Lord, you are my lot. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 35, we read that uh, when Jesus was at the cross, the soldiers took his garment and they threw the lot to figure out who got to keep the garment. So David says, you are my lot. You support my lot. What a revelation here. Orthodox Jewish Bible defines lot this way, or reads this, the phrase reads this way, you maintain my allotment by divine will. So what's being said there? What's being said there? When the dice is rolled, the way it lands is controlled by God. When the straws are pulled in your life, the pulling of the straw is controlled by God. Where the wheel stops is controlled by God. God has in his hand the lot of your life. God is the one who determines where things are landing in your life. 
God is the one who decides. God decides. God is sovereign. And David is saying here in this portion, David is saying here in this portion, I delight in knowing that you are my lot. I delight, Lord, that you're ruling my life, that you are sovereign. So I talked about uh, showing up in Thunder Bay and being told that I was going to lead a young adult youth Bible study. Uh, I noticed a girl at church a couple of weeks before. I was new to the city. She was singing in the choir. She had just moved to the city too. She showed up at the life group. Uh, and I got to know her. And 13 months later, in a hotel across the street from the bookstore that I bought this book in, Holiday Inn, Donna and I had our wedding reception. God's sovereign. I thought I was going to Thunder Bay to do an internship, and I did an internship, but I met my amazing, amazing wife. God's the one who controls a lot. And I should add in while I have the opportunity here to say great things can happen at life groups. Uh, come, you might meet your wife. If you got a wife, you might become a better husband. Great things happen at life groups. So David's first thing, the first thing David rejoiced in was uh, the reality, the truth that God is sovereign. God is his Lot. Now we'll keep moving down in the psalm, and uh, we'll discover that David also delighted in godly relationships. David also delighted in godly relationships. He says, verse number three, is for the saints who are in the earth, they are majestic ones and whom is all my delight. If David was living now, he'd say, when I look over the church, I just see a bunch of majestic people, and I delight in them. David delighted in the believers. David delighted in fellowship with the Christians. Uh, the whole theme of this first book of Psalms, if you think the introduction uh, matters, is relationships. Book number one, Psalm one in book one, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, yields its fruit in its season, leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. That's the joy in the position of the saints, these majestic people. And David delights in them. Friends, we have to make sure as we walk through life that we have a Christian worldview, that we are seeing life the way God, the way sovereign God sees life. And let me remind you, in this painful season in our history, that when God looks at you, if you are in Christ, if you are a saint, he does not see you as rich or poor. He doesn't see you as educated or uneducated. He doesn't see you as male or female. 
who doesn't see you as coming from Europe or uh, being a Native American. He sees you as in Christ. That's how we are identified. The ungodly are not so. The ungodly are, are completely different. But that's how we get our identity as Christians. Uh, the Christian worldview really sees the world as people who are in Christ and people we need to talk to about becoming in Christ. Those are the two groups. In Christ and those who need to discover the joy of being in Christ. And David said in verse number 1 of chapter 1, uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, doesn't stand in the way of sinners, doesn't sit in the seat of scornful. Uh, it's just a reminder to us to make sure we're delighting in the right kinds of friendships. And uh, I would just suggest to you today that uh, you need to be very careful about uh, people you hang out with and hang out with people who aren't yet in Christ. Yes, if you can be an influencer, but if you're going into an atmosphere where they're going to influence you, don't stand there. Don't sit there. Don't walk with them. They will influence you on a path that will not bring you joy. Uh, they, they uh, verse number four talks about how their sorrows get multiplied and you begin to hang out with them, your sorrows will be multiplied. David found the saints delightful. And when he looked at the pain those who were running from God were going through, he only saw sorrow. He only saw pain. So David, what are we learning so far? David found the sovereignty of God absolutely beautiful. He, he found... Uh, the reality of godly relationships to be delightful. And then the third thing we see uh, in this chapter, the third thing we see in this chapter was he, David was glad that God counseled him. David was glad that God counseled him. So I like uh, David's words in verses 17, 7 to 9 in Psalm 16. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I've set the Lord continually before me. He's at my right hand. I will not shake him. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. This Christian life is a life where we are meant to being enjoying God. He says, therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. Why is his heart glad? Because... The Lord counseled him. The Lord was continually before him, directing him. I, I found this phrase interesting in verse end of verse number 7. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I, uh, I've always thought maybe I was a little bit weird. But I've made it a habit of praying to God, especially if I have some major decision or some teaching to do the next day to... Lord, just speak to me through the night. Counsel me through the night. Found a lot of comfort in, in that verse there. The Lord instructs me in the night. But let me read it to you out of uh, the First Testament. The First Testament. I've enjoyed uh, this translation of the Old Testament. And this is what it says in verse 16 and verse 7. Yes, by night my inner being disciplines me. 
things are happening in the night. By night, my inner being, this part where the Spirit of God dwells, is being used to discipline me and bring my life into direction. And when I read that and contemplated that over the last week, it was such a joy to my soul to know that I wasn't crazy. This is normal. God instructs us. God counsels us. And he enjoys counseling us in our inner man, even in the night hours, the sleeping hours. I encourage you to begin to pray a simple prayer, even as you're falling asleep. Oh, God, speak to me tonight. Oh, God, uh, counsel me. I love preaching. I take preaching seriously. I think it's an awesome responsibility to talk about awesome God. I think it really matters that we we do this well. And, and I'll say this, I think preaching is a lot easier now than it was 40 years ago, uh, simply because you can Google it. You can just look at the portion of scripture you have to teach on and preach on. And lots of great preachers have usually preached on the portion. And that's, that's helpful, I think. I will add, however, that when I googled Psalm 16 this week, and that's not the only way I study, I didn't find that there'd been a lot of preaching on Psalm 16. Not a lot of preachers have taken a deep dive into this chapter. But when I was looking at it, I discovered uh, that there was a sermon that was preached on it. And that sermon was at the first sermon that was ever preached in the life of the church. It was Peter's text on the day of Pentecost. And this is what he said. Man of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you, you yourselves know. You guys know this, he says. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, God controlled the lot, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence. He's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue exalts. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you'll not abandon uh, my soul in, ha in, in Hades, nor will you allow this whole, the Holy One to undergo decay. You've made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness in your presence. Huh, the first sermon preached in the church was out of Psalm 16. And it's about the fact that Jesus came to defeat the power of death. Jesus died, but Jesus defeated the power of death. He defeated it for himself, and he defeated it for me, he defeated it for us. It's what this psalm ends with. David is delighting 
in eternal life. David is delighting in eternal life. Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 11. Uh, not unfamiliar to us here at the neighborhood. We've spent quite a bit of time in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 11. Let me read it to you. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Those of us, my friends, who are dwelt by the, dwelt by the spirit of God, those of us who have the spirit of God in our lives, uh, death has been defeated. And we with David can celebrate the joy of knowing we have eternal life. So who are these people who the Spirit of God will raise to eternal life? Well, I think it's the same kind of people that uh, David is exalting in and David finds great joy in, in Psalm 16. It's People who enjoy God's sovereignty and they acknowledge the hand of God in their lives and they call it beautiful. They believe in him. People who find great joy in God uh, in relationships with wonderful people who are part of the family of God, the household of faith, Christian believers. And people who love to live under the reality that God counsels and directs us these are the people who enjoy uh, the reality that death does not have a grip on them and look forward to an eternity enjoying the pleasure of life with him forever and ever. There was a preacher in the late uh, 19th century, early, uh, late 1900s, early, early 2000s, who pastored just outside of Portland, Oregon. One day he went to the doctor and the doctor said to Pastor uh, Henson, Pastor W.B. Henson, he said to him, uh, Pastor, you have one year to live. You have one year to live. And Pastor Henson tells the story, he's gone now, but he tells the story of going out that night outside of his home about five miles uh, outside of Portland, Oregon. And he looked at the mountain that he found such peace in and he looked at the flowing river and he looked up at the stars and W.B. Henson said this, Mountain, when you have crumbled, I'll still be around. River, when you have ceased to flow, I'll still be around. And stars, when your light has been unplugged and it shines no more, I'll still be around because I have the great pleasure and confidence of eternal life in Christ. Wow. Those of us who have put our confidence in God, it's all joy. We enjoy him and we enjoy him forever. This is not a joy robber. This brings pleasure to our life. And one of the greatest pleasures is confident for eternity, confidence for eternity. Our sins are forgiven. 
and we have eternal life. You've been listening in today and and you say, uh, oh, wow, I've never thought about enjoying God before in my life. Actually, I've always thought religion was a drag and a lot of the Christians who tell me they're Christians don't seem to be enjoying things very much themselves. Well, forgive us because we're not representing Jesus well. Jesus came to fill our lives with joy, to bring abundance to our life. And today I would just invite you to invite him to control the lot of your life and to bring yourself under his authority, make him Lord, acknowledge his sovereignty. And just say a simple prayer like this, oh God, I don't get it all, but I don't wanna spend any more time living for myself. I want to live for you and I want to know you. And after you prayed that little prayer, just take a little second to uh, fill out the connect card and tell us you prayed that prayer or email us at, uh, at info, the neighbor, info, info at the neighborhoodchurch.org, info at the neighborhoodchurch.org and tell us you've made your decision. We want to help you with that journey. Next steps. Uh, every Thursday night beginning, I think it's July 9th, 7 p.m. on Zoom. Uh, we're just going to be taking uh, a few weeks to just spend an hour or so together on Zoom and talk about living our Christian faith. Love to have you be a part of that. And some of you have been listening in to us uh, for the last few months. Some of you were coming to on-site services before COVID-19 hit and and you've never really had some good instruction on how to live the Christian life, we'd encourage you to uh, sign up for Next Steps too. Uh, more information next week, but uh, follow the after-service announcement role. There'll be some information there for you too. Well, we talked in our message about the joy of the Lord, and just wanted to talk with Pastor Joel here for a second, because we're both preacher's kids. We're both raised in this thing. I, uh, I'm not sure we were raised in an environment where we were taught that we were actually supposed to be enjoying God. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think in my upbringing, there was, and this is good, there's tension here, but that the ultimate goal was to be a servant of God. And, and I think that was maybe overemphasized and we pulled too hard on that side of the tension where I found myself thinking a little of my identity as a child of God and maybe a lot of my identity as a servant of God. And I think both of those are true, but the reality that joy can be found in both of those, and that's what uh, I, I'm curious your thoughts on that as well. John Piper said uh, that... We glorify God the most when we're enjoying him the most. Um, so I, I think serving God is meant to bring joy. And I think even suffering God is meant, suffering for God is supposed to be a source of joy mm. for us. Our relationship with him is one of those, we just trust him and trust the fact he controls the lot. And if, if it's come into our life, it's from him. So it's going to be good. So we walk through it in joy. Um, and I think the problem we've had is we haven't got that. 
Yeah. And so we have thought the joy comes from some physical excitement in our services. So we stand at the end of the service, we all get around the altar and we sing, the joy of the Lord is my strength. If you want joy, you should jump for it. If you want joy, you should shout for it. And we, and we do that and we feel really happy till we're in our car. And then we wonder where it went because it's rooted in silliness uh, instead of a deep, wonderful relationship with the Lord. We're meant to glorify Him. We glorify God the best when we're enjoying Him the most. Anything to wrap it up with? Yeah, you know, I, I was sitting here. Um, we were getting ready to film. And uh, I was sitting here, um, asked if I could use this bench. We had a little bit more shade here. And I met a lady, and she's uh, celebrating her 62nd wedding anniversary today. But she's cel celebrating it without her husband. And he's been passed for two years now. And she's thankful for her dog and, and thankful for these walks. And what I tried to encourage her with was that even in these moments, on the anniversary, that the joy of the Lord is still accessible for her. And it's still accessible for you today. It's still accessible for me. Beautiful. And uh, let that be your encouragement today. We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.